Let's talk about your next patient. Yeah. So at the other end of the spectrum, our next patient is a 41-year-old industrial scientist who, when undergoing abdominal imaging for abdominal pain, was noted to have a left lower lung mass, which ultimately turned out to be a T2N1 moderately differentiated adenocarcinoma. She's a never smoker. And after a laparoscopic lobectomy, she had some molecular studies performed, including a KRAS, immunohistochemistry, ERCC1 immunohistochemistry, EGFR mutation analysis. And she was most notably found to be ERCC1 positive. And after an additional opinion at Sloan Kettering and consideration of the ECOG adjuvant bevacizumab study, uh, elected to proceed with novelbine and taxotere. And she did quite well with her adjuvant therapy and finished in September 2009. And we were seeing her for her second office follow-up visit. What about this issue of ERCC1, Tom, in clinical practice outside her protocol setting? So I think ERCC1, as we've spoken of many times at the think tank and other forums, there's some very, very intriguing data that suggests that patients who are ERCC1 positive, whose tumors are ERCC1 positive, both benefit less from platinum-based chemotherapy and may have a slightly more favorable prognosis underlying their actual tumor. And it has panned out in retrospective analyses of most notably the YALT study that John Charles Sorier and others have put together. And I think that we're seeing here an example of how That was used in the clinical setting of how to handle this young woman, very young woman, who presents with a T2 lesion by virtue of plural involvement. And she was actually offered involvement in a memorial protocol with a non-platinum combination of navalbine docetaxel, which is ultimately what Neil chose to treat her with based on this ERCC1 positivity. And I would argue the only time I would consider that is in this kind of a setting where you can make an argument that you have a pretty strong factor that may predict lack of benefit. Now, with that said, I think most of us are holding off until we have more definitive evidence that this was seen. And I guess, Neil, one of the questions I would ask you is that you've got this interesting interplay between the primary oncologist and the referral center, in this case, Memorial. What was your feeling when they came back with a recommendation for navalbine docetaxel? And how did you weigh that with the evidence of ERCC1 at this point? Well, I guess I have to disclose I'm a bit of an early adopter. And so I had been impressed with kind of the tidal wave of the retrospective stuff coming out about the ERCC1. And so with the validation from Sloan Kettering, I think I was not overly concerned with a non-platinum combination, although that's not something that I think I would ever recommend independently. I think that's something that really needs to be discussed with a lung cancer thought leader, the patient in the room before they would step outside the lines like that. And if she had lived closer to Manhattan, of course, it would have been ideal if she could have participated in their phase two study. I also wonder, since ERCC1 was first, but then I've also seen some stuff with other immunohistochemical markers predicting platinum sensitivity, I think the BRCA1, and I don't know whether that is percolating or... So a number of the DNA repair enzymes have been implicated in platinum sensitivity. And I think it's likely it'll be a combination of factors that we'll look at. And my gut is, if I had to predict, and no one knows how this is going to pan out, I think this will probably turn out to be true. This will be something that will help guide our treatment. Now, whether a non-platinum combination is of benefit is a whole different issue, okay? But I think that in terms of predicting relative benefit to adjuvant therapy, I suspect a combination of DNA repair enzyme assays will be something that will be helpful. But again, I do wait until that ultimate data comes out. And then I think the second question, can you substitute a non-platinum? 
And I think navalbine and docetaxel as reasonable a non-platinum regimen as one could come up with in this setting. How did she tolerate it? She did beautifully with it. Again, the worst part of her treatment was she had acute Lyme disease in the middle, but otherwise did well. Acute Lyme disease. That's yeah. interesting. How long yeah. did that last? That was about t- two weeks of a screaming headache for her. And that was in the middle the of the chemo? It was immediately after her first dose. Wow. Yeah. There are two things that I, curious things that I thought of as we were seeing her. I didn't have a chance to mention to you after because the office was busy. But one question is, would you ever test her now for ALK? It wouldn't have any therapeutic implications now because she's been operated on. She's had her adjuvant therapy. I suppose I wouldn't personally, but I'm just, you know, she is a, a never smoker who's an EGFR wild type. So her chance of having an ALK positive tumor is probably about 30%, 25-30%. But I guess I'm thinking out loud now, I probably wouldn't test her until she had a reason to act on it. And you obviously have no disease and your hope, strong hope is that she's not going to relapse. I guess the thought would be for you to extrapolate sort of like the Tarceva adjuvant experience. If there were a ALK inhibitor available and if she were positive, would you want to add that in adjuvant therapy? And I think I will wait for, I'll wait for you to tell me what to do based on data. I think that's a I couple years away. away. Yeah, I think that's going to be a couple years away. away. That's like my annual question to you, Tom, which actually I was thinking about asking it with this woman because, you know, I guess being a non-smoker, you're thinking slash hoping she might have been EGFR positive. If she had been, would you have considered using her lotinib off study and as adjuvant therapy? So this is one that Neil asked me pretty much every year down in Miami. And I think this year, we really got the real whammy that we didn't quite expect, which is the results of BR19 presented by Glenn Goss at ASCO this year, which was a randomized trial, which has all kinds of limitations. It's not well accrued. It stopped in the middle of it. It's a randomized trial looking at adjuvant gefitinib versus observation in patients after resection of their lung cancer. And it was halted after the SWOG study, the SWOG chemoradiotherapy followed by adjuvant gefitinib study showed excess deaths. The trial was halted to accrual, but they followed the patients. So there are about 520 patients in the study. So there were enough patients that you actually can derive some hint. And unfortunately, there were a high percentage of patients that had mutations. And unfortunately, overall, the survival rate was worse in the group that had adjuvant gefitinib. And even in the group of patients who were EGFR mutant, it did not look better. It looked inferior. Now, there are a number of caveats. The numbers, once you get to the mutants, are still very small to have any kind of confidence around that number. That was the thing that caused the most consternation among lung cancer folks at that meeting was we just could not get our arms around why a second study, which is granted flawed, but it's in the same direction as 0023. And people really were at a loss. I spoke with Dr. Mitsudomi and Jeff Engelman, the two people who I think know the most about the biology of EGFR mutations now. And neither of them could give me a particularly strong reason why adjuvant gefitinib should be associated with worse prognosis in EGFR mutants. There are a number of hypotheses that they could come up with for in RAS mutants, why that might be a problem. But in EGFR mutants, it's a lot tougher to describe. So I guess, Neil, the answer this year is a slightly more emphatic no because of the data which we've gotten now for BR19. What about trials of the EML4-ALK inhibitors or inhibitors in those tumors in the adjuvant setting? Are they being discussed or implemented? They're being discussed, but not implemented until the drug is on the market, would be my suspicion. Anything else you want to say about this patient? Yeah, I would say one good thing about this patient. And, you know, I know we focus a lot on the science of it, but I think there's something else you did here that I was struck by. And this is, I think, terrific, which is, you know, here you have a 41-year-old woman 
resected lung cancer, got her scan, and you called her that night with the scan result, okay? And this woman was so taken by the fact that you called her with the scan report and told her in advance, a week in advance of her visit that her scan was clean. And I think of how many patients would have waited that week just besides themselves in terms of how that would happen. And I realized that that was a fantastic thing you did for her. And I said, you know, that's something we should all be doing for our patients. And I bet it doesn't happen as often as we'd all like it to happen.